time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It is Monday, September 11th. Notable day in our history, September 11th, 2023. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Joining me on today's podcast, as he does each podcast, is my co-host, Mark Helm. Mark, good to have you here, friend. Glad to be here, sir. You bet. Mark, we don't just let anybody become a sponsor to our podcast. Some desire to be sponsors, but we have a strict policy that we want to have nothing but the best in class representing our sponsorship group. So we're excited to have our sponsors. And Mark, let's run through them. We got Byte Software, who makes your ideal loan process come to life in an LOS that fits the way you do business. From unlimited custom screens and fields to advanced workflow automation you can deploy with your in-house system team, Byte gives you total control over your loan process. We also have Finastra, where you can experience the power of a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending that simplifies the borrowing experience and streamlines the process for employees. And we've got Total Expert, whose platform unifies data marketing, sales, and compliance solutions to provide a cohesive experience across the customer lifecycle. Also, very pleased to have Candor Technology, which is the only automated underwriting system to earn a patent for its unique tech solution. Candor also optimizes the loan delivery workflow so operations can be right-sized for the last time. And Simple Nexus, which is a homeownership platform uniting the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into a seamless end-to-end solution. We also have iEmergent, the Mortgage Bankers Association, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, the Knowledge Coop, as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. Very excited to have them as sponsors, Mark. Today, I am at the Mortgage Collaborative Conference here in Nashville, Tennessee. Pretty exciting. Let's talk a little bit, Mark, about the past episodes that we did. We recorded and released last Wednesday, September 6th, the interview with Michael Powell of Cahoots. The topic that we recorded on is how his background influenced Cahoots. One of the reasons I like this podcast so much is it talks about the power of your why are you doing what you're doing? And he gets into that as well as the background that influenced his project called Cahoots, his new product. You got to check that out. Mark, we've got some upcoming podcasts. You want to talk about that this week? This week, we'll be releasing the following podcast on Wednesday, September 13th. We'll have our guest, Joseph A. Bell of Rewire Incorporated. His topic was leadership, freedom, and leverage, and was an outstanding dossier on leadership and what you have to do it on a day-to-day basis. And Mark, it was one of those really good interviews where we were getting insights into how Rewire, Jason Abel and the team there, Steve, in, give information out to leaders. It's really good content. And they're mm-hmm. such good friends and are so grateful to be in a relationship with him. I was on his podcast. We've had him now on ours. We're grateful to it. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our regulars, Adam DeSantis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, 
David Kittle. I don't think Kittle's going to be here because he's wandering around the halls of the conference here. But Alice yeah. Alvey's comment, as well as Alan Pollock, will be here with some of his contributions. So let's get started with this week's Mortgage Minute from the NBA with Adam DeSanctis. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Thursday, the Senate Banking Committee held a hearing on the property insurance market and its impact on consumers. NBA submitted a statement for the record ahead of the hearing on top industry priorities. These include the need to reauthorize the National Flood Insurance Program, which is set to expire later this month on the 30th, addressing the rising costs and declining availability of private property insurance coverage, and needed reforms to FHA's multifamily program. NBA will work with members of Congress on both sides of the aisle to stress the importance of avoiding a lapse in the NFIP program while stressing the need for a long-term authorization to protect residential and commercial real estate markets and provide stability for the companies and agents that sell and administer the flood insurance program policies. And finally, NBA's annual convention is just about one month away. Register today at nba.org annual and join us in Philadelphia from October 15th through the 18th. We hope to see you there. Thanks, Adam, for the update. Listeners, be sure to download the Mortgage Action Alliance app, also known as MAW app, M-A-W app, so that you can support the MBA's efforts on the Hill in D.C. You don't know how much they're doing for us, and we need to come alongside them and support them through the Mortgage Action Alliance. We're not actually going to blindly just support everything through this app, Mortgage Action Alliance app, can take a look at what their position is on the hill if you support it and you agree with it then use your app to show your support to the mba by communicating directly through this app to your specific legislators on the hill mark you and i love les parker why don't you introduce the les parker segment now it's time for the tm spotlight and this week's macro view of the market with les parker tm spotlight soundbites is brought to you by power seller making hedging easy every trader here is out of sight they will scrape and they will bite they keep things loose fed keeps things tight Everybody was dancing in the job slide. The bond bulls and bears danced to new news. What unexpected data will lead to crowing under a harvest moon? Will the bulls retest 411 in the 10-year yield? If it breaks, can they flip the trend and cha-cha mortgages to 6%? Conversely, if the 10-year yield finds momentum above 437 Mortgages fly above eight. It's such a wild and data sight. Everybody's dancing in the news light. These views are mine. Catch the beat and light at tmspotlight.com. There's so much packed into that short message. If you haven't already done so, sign up for Les's TM Spotlight newsletter and you can get the paid version for free. I always like free things. If you can enter the code word POWER which is a short for power seller. It is a great newsletter with some of the best insights you can find about what is driving rates. Folks, we're adding another segment to our podcast because there's so much great information. We're trying to help you as lenders out there, not only survive, but thrive. There's a company out there called Kelk, and I'm very close to this company. I'm an investor in this company, and they have a word for you. I encourage you to listen to it. Calc, what you got for us today? Hi, everyone. I'm Dan Muggy, Chief Operating Officer at Calc, and this is your Mortgage Minute. $200 billion. 
According to Black Knight's September Mortgage Monitor, that's the staggering amount of untapped equity homeowners could have accessed over the past year if interest rates hadn't been so high. Meanwhile, the Mortgage Bankers Association reports that mortgage demand has plummeted to levels not seen in nearly 30 years, thanks to the Federal Reserve's efforts to combat inflation. For those of you who aren't keeping track at home, there have been 11 interest rate hikes since March of 2022. These statistics highlight the difficulties in the market for both lenders and homebuyers alike and underpin the challenges to the overall mortgage industry. While the Fed has left the door open for another hike yet this year, there seems to be consensus that we are at or near the peak and that eventually they will have to reduce the cost of lending. Overall, economists expect rates to persist the rest of this year before inching back down beginning in 2024. It's challenging, but hang in there, keep hustling, and make sure you're ready for when the Fed finally does relax rates. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the show and take care. Listeners, pay attention. This is a new product that's been out there. Just a little bit of time. It can really help you close loans in this difficult market. Thank you, Kelk. I appreciate you setting that in. Appreciate it. And now it's time for Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBS Live. And he's going to give us this week's market update. Matt? What you got for us today, friend? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Last week was a holiday-shortened one with Labor Day on Monday and markets getting back in the office to find yields higher on Tuesday. Some of that was driven by gradual weakness in the global bond market that took place on Monday. But then on Tuesday morning, uh, there was a big glut of corporate bond issuance. This is something that definitely impacts treasuries and MBS uh, because corporate bonds compete for investor attention and they are also hedged using treasury sales, or they can be, and that can create additional volatility and weakness in the short term, although the weakness that results from hedging isn't always a, uh, a lasting weakness. It can be a zero-sum game where buyers come back in and buy back those hedges after the issuance process. Uh, nonetheless, it was definitely the corporate bond issuance scenario that pushed yields uh, higher on Tuesday. It was the fifth biggest day of all time for new corporate bond issuance. And uh, moreover, the top four days all had benefited from at least one extremely large offering of $25 billion or more. And that made last Tuesday all the more notable because the largest bond offered that day was only $4.75 billion. So that really speaks to the breadth and uh, volume of deals being offered. The next day was also quite large. The week in general was uh, on pace to be a record-setting week until the last two days. And that kept pressure up, but on Wednesday, uh, negative momentum was added by ISM services. That is the non-manufacturing PMI data from ISM, one of the more important economic reports out on any given month, came in at 54.5 versus 52.5. And the prices component also rose more than expected. Um, bonds definitely shot higher after that and then spent the rest of the week leveling off in general. Uh, Thursday was a bit stronger, Friday was a bit weaker, and uh, that was the end of it. Now heading into the new week, we have a confluence of uh, important events. Really, it's the, the confluence occurs over the next two weeks. This week's key event would be CPI, Consumer Price Index, on Wednesday. 
this hasn't been as big of a market mover as it had been in months past. So the last report wasn't a huge one, but it's important to note that they have been coming in right in line with expectations. This one has a bigger departure from the previous forecasts due to the uptick in fuel prices, uh, creating expectations for higher headline inflation. The consensus is still for 0.2% at the month over month core level, if that were to be higher than expected in any meaningful way, so 0.3 or higher. I do think we could see a reinvigoration, another test of the high yields of the past few decades and uh, highest mortgage rates of the past few decades as well. If that number were to be lower than expected, and especially I think the headline could get more attention this time because everyone expects it to be a lot higher due to fuel prices. If that were to be lower than expected, and if that spilled over to a lower than expected core reading, that could be favorable. We could see, you know, a little bit of a hopeful correction. And it will probably be exacerbated by the fact that we have the Fed meeting coming up next week with a new dot plot and, of course, a press conference, as always. But uh, that means the Fed is in their blackout period for this week where they refrain from commenting on monetary policy. Sometimes that results in the market uh, trading key data for the Fed in a more aggressive way as it's sort of trying to guess what that data will mean for an evolution in the Fed's communications. Beyond CPI, retail sales on Thursday, it's expected to remain in positive territory, but at only 0.2% this time versus 0.7% last time. And uh, other than that, no true top tier data. Uh, consumer sentiment on Friday, import prices, New York Fed, industrial production, those are all second tier market movers at best, but they uh, can still have an influence in the little picture. As far as longer term rate outlook, I do think that things remain data dependent. Uh, we've seen other reasons for rates to move, such as corporate bond issuance last week, but uh, it will ultimately be the data that guides the Fed and guides the markets either reaction to the Fed or anticipations of how the Fed will react to the data. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you providing us this content each and every week. Be sure to sign up, listeners, for mbslive.net. If you haven't already done so, you could do so in just a few seconds. You get the latest updated information. You could sign up with the LOL code, standing for Lick It On Lending, of course. Sign up for an extended trial period without use of a credit card. But, you know, honestly, you just want to sign up for this service. David Kittle is running around the halls of this conference here in Nashville. We are not going to have anything from David at this time. Next up, we have Alice Alvey, Vice President, Partner Education and Training, is here to give us a legislative update. Hello, everyone. And in honor of 9-11, I just want to express our sincere gratitude for all of our first responders out there. We so um, appreciate your service. Thank you so much for your service. Service, and we know that you are out there keeping us safe every single day. So thank you for all your service. Um, so in my report today, I want to start with FHA's announcement that they are no longer re requiring that lenders report denials into FHA connection. 
This is great news. It seems like a small thing, but ultimately it did impact some borrowers and FHA came out and said it's really not helping them at all with any risk analysis. So um, what the situation is, is with a case number, if the loan was denied, lenders were to go into FHA connection and report that that loan had been denied. Well, if the appraisal is still valid, that case number is getting transferred to a subsequent lender, uh, maybe the same borrower, maybe a different borrower, but a property, uh, the case number rides with the property. So that's why these were transferring and the next lender in the food chain would see or get a warning message that it had this case number had been through another lender and denied at one point. So this always caused angst as a lender if I got that message going, oh my gosh, you know, what was it? What was going on? There's something wrong with the property or is there something wrong if I have the same borrower? And it really just caused problems that didn't really, as FHA was saying, mitigate any of the risk for them. So we're really glad that they've removed this. For some of you lenders who didn't know you were supposed to do this, it's a good thing it's now removed. <laughs> so, But it, was, so it wasn't a big procedural problem to execute on it. It was just a hassle on files uh, for when you were the next lender who was ending up with getting this alert message. So uh, we're good to see that this requirement is now waived and FHA is no longer requiring that. Another announcement came from Freddie Mac on student loans. I do want to make sure everyone sees this. They are changing their requirements effective immediately on student loan calculations for uh, borrowers who are on a uh, income-based repayment plan. And if the credit report says zero, you aren't using zero. You need to still go in and calculate income or calculate what a monthly payment would be. So please make sure you read that memo. There's some important details in there as well as some other changes that came out from Freddie Mac. And then last but not least, a reminder on USDA's proposed rule that's out there for the manufactured housing provisions. USDA has tested their manufactured housing lending in several states, and they are proposing to open this up across the country. Uh, manufactured housing is a great opportunity for affordable housing. We really want to make sure that this uh, moves its way through quickly. And so please go to regulations.gov. You have until October 16th to simply respond, yes, we want to see this go through as written. Uh, so it's a simple proposed rule to execute on the pilot that has already been in place. So hopefully you can all get a chance to check out that regulations.gov and help USDA along uh, with getting this approved. Thank you all. Have a great day. Thank you, Alice. Yeah, Alice, thank you so much for being here each and every week, giving us so much update. Alice and I just recorded, we'll be releasing this week, we hope, if we could get the editing done, the interview with Mitch Kider. And that was a, up the latest action about what is going on with RESPA Section 8 and the latest legal action and also in, insights into where this may go, even if the U.S. Supreme Court determines the funding behind CFPB is not deemed legal so and not according to the constitution if that's the case you know what's going to happen so we're going to tease it with that and let you make sure you go in and listen to that download so let's get over to iEmergent and listen to what john maynell has for us from iEmergent 
John? Thanks, David. We've learned that iEmergence purchase mortgage forecasts give lenders geo-targeting capabilities by neighborhood or census tract. But the platform can also reveal real estate agent productivity with the same incredible granularity and accuracy. Instead of only national, state, or even county-level data, Mortgage Market Smart can show which agents have the most active or sold listings in each individual census tract, allowing lenders to develop the best partnerships in the hotspots they're trying to reach. This functionality is absolutely unique to I emergent, David. Now let's get over to Alan Pollock with this week's weekly tech update. Alan? Hey, David. Thanks for having me today. Glad to be here. So a couple great things going on. Uh, first, some of you may have seen in the news, I thought this was quite interesting, that New York City has actually completely banned Airbnb. So thousands of Airbnbs, this brand new law called Local Low 18, which came into force on Tuesday. I guess this is last week. Um, it doesn't allow any Airbnbs to operate any further in the city. Um, for now on, all short-term rentals must in New York must register with the city and only those who live in the place they're renting. So I don't know if anyone else in the country is going to take on to this, but uh, the tech platform is definitely going to see a blow uh, from what's going on there. So very interesting, of course. Let's move on to some great mortgage industry stuff. Revive, uh, it's a company... Um, that had released a tool called Revive Vision AI, and it's designed to assist real estate professionals in property valuation. Their tool is actually using, they say, computer vision technology, probably the first time we've heard of that term, and it will evaluate the condition of the property and provide a detailed assessment of its current market value and potential value post-renovation. And so this basically has a couple key features, which I thought were very interesting. It takes the current condition of the home, an estimate of the market value. It does a future ARV, what they're calling the after remodeled value. And they're looking at a potential score and they're looking at a reno scope and budget. And they actually will also put together an investment plan. So it's free right now for real estate agents. Uh, very interesting. It may help out on the mortgage side for some of you tech vendors that may be interested in or even lenders that may be interested in implementing this into your sales process. So check it out. Company's called, again, Revive. Next one, David, get this. National MI, they have now partnered with Calix Point. So not anything special, right? Uh, but they are now integrated. So you can get, without having to leave Calix Point, uh, you can get real-time risk-based mortgage insurance. So it's live eligibility and pricing uh, through their rate GPS tools. So good movement forward on that end. And David, get this, talking about chatbots, um, clearly we're going to see more of them on mortgage. Well, Morgan Stanley, and, and I bring this up because we're talking about the full financial well-being of a borrower and our investment and in how we work towards them. Um, and this is really good info for those of you that may be looking or working with chatbots. Morgan Stanley just launched a chatbot. It's, it's called Woo Wealthy, W-O-O. And they're saying it's helping their bankers quickly find and research forms without needing to sift through hundreds or thousands of documents. And according to, according to routers, routers uh, it's being developed with OpenAI, of course. Um, the bank is also developing tech, get this, with client's permission that will create a meeting summary of the conversation. It will draft a follow-up email and suggest next steps. Uh, it will look in the bank sales database. It will schedule all of the follow-up appointments. It will also learn how to help advisors manage clients' finances in areas such as taxes, retirement savings, inheritances, etc. 
So it's looking at the full financial well-being of their customers, something that some people are already doing on the mortgage side and some are thinking about doing. Um, just as a note, Dave, you may remember, and we've talked about it on the program here a couple of years ago, I worked on a pro product like this when I was at Fiserv, and we were actually looking at all of the financial information that we had that was a borrower had consented to, and we were able to provide opinion and guidance in looking for a mortgage, including different options. So more to come here. You're going to see a lot more on the side. Again, that's Morgan Stanley and their AI chatbot called Woo Wealthy. And then many of you probably heard, hopefully you're using technology and hopefully you're automating workflow. But Fannie and Freddie Mac just said um, that they have new appraisal independent requirements. And what they're saying explicitly is preventing loan officers from having any influence at all on the appraisal provider that they have selected, including AMCs. So let's make sure that we're using the right tech, we're automating that tech, and we're removing the human element as much as possible. So we have no issues on the audit or the regulation side of this. Uh, outside of that, David, I hope everybody has a great week and more great tech stuff to come next week. If you want to get a hold of me, you know how to reach out. It's either David or Alan at TMS-advisors.com. Talk to you all next week. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate you doing that. By the way, Alan has recently become the chief operating officer for Candid. One of the newer tech companies out there, and I encourage you to check it out. Mark, do you have anything that you want to share with our industry about the agencies or loan servicing? Any news or updates you have for us? I think I'd like to give a short update of what's happening in the agencies and the GSE approval side of the business. We do a lot of those, David, and we've helped a lot of folks move down the road and get their approvals. But what is we've seen recently is a great falling off of people going after the approvals on that. And I test it to the difficult times with some folks not having the financial statements now that meet the requirements of whoever they're applying for. And uh, certainly the folks that's wanting to go from broker to banker and coming up with a million dollars net worth sometimes is a struggle, especially when they've lost maybe lost money for a couple quarters in a row. But it's made it very difficult for people to apply for the Jenny, Fannie, and Freddie because they're looking. They've had some challenges in the industry, and so what they're doing, they're looking at these things a good bit harder than they have before. The door is still open, and I advise people that are going to expand their business and go after those approvals across all their T's and dot all their I's and make sure they tell the story the best they can because it is about telling the story. People can have faith in you even if it's not the best of times. You can make it the best of times for you and how you tell your story and how important your business has been to your community and how you reach out and touch everyone in the community. So always remember that when you're putting together your applications. And I think you can be successful down the road for sure. That's good. Yeah. And the net worth requirement is two and a half million, but you actually need more than that because anytime you're starting yeah. out there, you're just at two and a half million. They're going to look at that. And you're just clearing the bar and there's any losses. And so many companies are losing money these days that it's got to be greater than that. We say 3 billion kind of as a minimum, but honestly, yeah, we'd be better if you're up closer to 5 million or greater, just so you have that extra cushion of capital underneath you. So you don't get the, the approval pulled from you. I think the GSEs are going to be looking for that. Mark. I think your point is excellent, David, because I don't think companies that have a, a $2.6 million, $2 million net worth, I'm, I'm honestly telling you this, I, I don't think you ought to be applying for a GSE approval. And for the reasons David talked about, the agencies are looking for folks who can weather the storm, and you got to be able to weather quarters where you don't have income is positive. And so you need to have that buffer in there, and that's very important. The last thing you want to do is get an approval and then get suspended from doing business because you haven't been able to maintain your net worth.
Yeah, so true. Very good. Folks, that wraps up this week's mortgage update from Lick It on Lending. Thanks, Mark, for being here. Appreciate it so much. We want to thank Byte Software, Finastra, Total Expert, Candor, Simple Nexus, iEmergent, the MBA, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, and Mode Expand. We got a lot of great sponsors. So grateful. Always room for more. If you're a best in class and looking for a great way to get your message out, Call us. I'd love to hear from you. And you can check out all of that on our website, lickingonlending.com. Folks, have a great week. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.